Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now get a Romans, Romans chapter number 11. Watch what it says. Romans chapter 11. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. When we look at national Israel, there's always been belief and unbelief. We see in Romans chapter 11, verse number 7, concerning Israel, we see that there is an election. And then at the end of the verse, the rest were blinded. So containing Israel, you've got elect, you've got blinded. Blindness comes from what? It comes from the Jews' unbelief. The election comes from what? Their belief. So you have belief, unbelief. You have the election, you have the blinded. And in Matthew chapter 24, Jews who receive the truth would be considered the elect. Jews who don't receive the truth, they would be part of what Romans 11 verse number 7 says are the blinded. You have those that believe, those that don't believe, those that are elect, those that are the blinded. And so we see that in Romans 11, and we can make that clear cross-reference to Matthew chapter 24, and look what it says in, uh, in, in verse number 24. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. But it's not possible. <laughs> That's the whole questioning of this. The elect aren't going to be deceived. But if it were possible, the deception is so great and it is so powerful that if it were possible, it would even deceive the very elect. Except the elect aren't going to be deceived. There's going to be people that are going to be deceived. And guess what? They're not the elect. They are the blinded. Mark 13, verse 22, the cross-reference says, For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce. If it were possible, we see it again, even the elect, but it's not possible. The elect aren't going to be deceived. The elect aren't going to be seduced, but there will be those that will be. Look at verse number 23. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here's Christ, or there, believe it not. That's the warning that's gone out. Now, if it were possible, to deceive the elect, which it's not, 
there wouldn't be any need for the warning cry. They can't be deceived. There's no reason for that verse to be in there or to be commanded. So it's not for them. They believe God. They're heeding the warnings. They're going to obey what God tells them to do, but there's going to be a group that will not. The unbelieving Jews will need the warning. The ones that are blinded will need the warning. And this is, if we can make way of practical application for us, this is why we need to study the Bible. This is why we try to go verse by verse through the Bible so that we know what God says and we're not deceived. Now, we're not going to be going through with Matthew chapter 24 speaking. It's not for us. We've done so many messages on that. But in our time, we need to make sure that we're not deceived through this world system, which is why God gave us a Bible of read, study, and obey. That's why it says, says, study to show thyself approved, a workman. You got to work at it. You have to rightly divide the word of truth. Now look at verse 26. Let's start at 25. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. So we've got a desert cry, we've got a secret chambers cry. Look there. Look in the look in the desert. Look in the secret chambers. No, don't look there. If they don't obey God, and they follow after these false Christ, they're going to be deceived and seduced, and they're going to look in the wrong spot, in the desert or in the secret chambers. They've got to believe and obey God's word. Go back to Zechariah chapter 14. Second to the last book of the Bible, Zechariah chapter number 14. Look at verse number four. Zechariah 14, verse number four. And his feet shall stand in that day in the desert? No. In the secret chambers? No. Upon the Mount of Olives. If they don't believe where Christ will return, it's because they bought into the deception and it is because they have been seduced. But God told them where he's going to come. We see that in Zechariah chapter 14, verse number four. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Now we got another issue that's going to be happening here, specifically concerning the Jews. Look at verse 24 again. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. As if that's not bad enough. Look what it says next. And shall show great signs and wonders. First Corinthians 1.22. You know what it says? For the Jews require a sign. It's bad enough we've got false Christs. Now we've got a group of people that are accustomed to and used to following after and requiring a sign. And guess what these false Christs are going to show? Great signs and lying wonders. The level of deception, if you can picture it, 
based on 1 Corinthians one twenty two, the Jews requiring a sign, it's going to be a problem. So these Jews, during Daniel's 70th week, they're being told, don't trust signs. You know how hard that's going to be? For them, hard. Obey my word. They're either going to have to obey what God said or trust in something that God told them not to trust in. And he warned them, these signs and wonders are going to be from false Christs. We see in Mark, you don't have to turn there, but chapter 16, verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. This is how the word of God was confirmed. It's not confirmed. We have a more sure word of prophecy now. But how would you be able to prove that what you were saying was from God? Signs. Sign miracles. Now, all the apostles have since passed away. There's no apostolic sign gifts left because the apostles died. And we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have God's word we can go to. For truth, so we don't need a sign to confirm what we're saying. God gives it to us in His Word. But if you wanted a Jew to believe and you were one of the apostles, guess what? God's going to follow what you say with a sign. And go, oh, that's got to be from God. That's how He would confirm that it was true or false. Second Thessalonians two nine. Even Him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. This is how the false prophet is going to try to confirm his false message during Daniel's 70th week through false signs, through lying wonders. And the Jew is going to have to not believe in what he sees, but trust in what God said to him or her. So they're not deceived and they're not seduced and they're not part of the blinded. Look at verse 25. Bible says, Behold, I have told you before. Mark 13 says, But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. So God told them before. Remember, we look back in Zechariah. He said it there. He's told them all these things. Look at verse 26. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. The Jews are now warned and they're, con and they're commanded by God to don't believe if you hear that. Believe it not. And it's not the works that save them. Even though we're talking about physical salvation and they're going to, make, they're going to enter into the millennial kingdom, they still have to trust God, believe God, and then their works follow their belief. You know, why would you go, why would you think the Lord's coming to um, the, the, the secret chambers? Only if you believe the deception. But if you trusted God and you believe God, you wouldn't look there. You would know where the Lord, you would know his feet 
would come onto the Mount of Olives. So our works, the same for us to make the application as Christians, our works don't save us. We believe God, and he counts that. He credits his righteousness to our account, and by grace he saves us. But our works that follow basically, I mean, you kind of it's hard to get away from your works not showing forth what you believe. You've all heard it, you know, well, what you say and what you do don't line up. It's because what the person's saying, they don't really believe. Your actions always back up your core of beliefs. And that's what's going to happen here. Believe it not. Not in the desert, not in the secret chambers. So God gives them basically the positive command and the negative command. I'm coming to the Mount of Olives. And then he warns them, believe it not. Here's what you're going to hear. Just so you know, believe it not. Don't believe that. Now that brings us to verse number 27. We'll read 27 and 28. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even out of the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Here's the second coming of Christ. We've got lightning, we've got eagles, and they are both being used here to bring to light two different views, two different perspectives on the same event. What in the world does lightning and eagles have to do with the coming of Christ? Well, get Zechariah 9 and Luke chapter 17. Zechariah 9 and Luke chapter 17. We'll do Zechariah chapter 9 first. If you would, get verse number 14. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 14. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning. And the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with the whirlwinds of the south. You see that? His arrow shall go forth as the lightning. Luke chapter 17. We'll tie it together. Let's get our verses. Luke 17, and let's read at verse 24. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noe, so shall it also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted. They build it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife? You know what's going to happen in Noah's day? You know what did happen? 
Once it started to rain, it was too late. In Lot's day, you know what started to happen? Brimstones started falling from the sky. And once it started to fall in, it was too late. And at Christ's second coming, it's going to be swift. It is going to be fierce. It is going to be as a flash of lightning. And once it strikes, it will be too late. No one will be able to repent because the wrath will come down. God always gives an opportunity to turn. He always gives an opportunity to repent. But we must trust God before his judgment falls. God is love, but God is also wrath. God will warn, but God will do what he said he will do. God will help you and I prepare. But when God drops down his judgment, that's it. Now, thank the Lord, we as born-again Christians aren't going to be going through Daniel's 70th week. No reason to rehearse why. There's so many messages you can go back to review on that. But the message that we preach is to save a soul from hell. When will their judgment come? After they die. Then they're going to be judged. When they try to show up, when they try to hold up their good work or their religion or their social deeds or their nonprofit work, God's going to drop them straight into hell. That's why we're doing four outreaches this week. Because we're trying to warn souls. That they have a sin problem, and if they don't get the remedy, when they die, there is not, you will not have a chance to turn back and repent. So we've got to get the gospel message out now and warn them now. And that is our reasonable service, and that is our personal debt to our community. And if we want to see revival, it's not going to be somebody coming in and doing backflips on the aisle and preaching a, a real fiery message, although that certainly would be uplifting, <laughs> and it certainly is needed. We need more fiery messages. It is going to be by Christians getting off of their bautissimos and going out and doing something for the Lord. This is why we have an emphasis and why we want to do so many outreaches to warn those that are lost so that God's wrath doesn't pour upon them. So this lightning, what does this mean? He's going to come fast when Christ returns. He's going to, as a flash of light, and that's it. There's going to be no time to repent. Well, Lord, I'm really not deceived. I'm really on their side. No, you're not. So they've got to trust God. And God's going to give them an opportunity. If they would just obey his word, they'd be all right. Now look at Luke. Um, let's stay in Luke 17 and let's stay in Zechariah chapter 14. That's the, that's the lightning. What in the world do eagles gathering around a carcass have to do with anything? We 
got the lightning thing down, right? Everybody's good on that. Well, this Eagles should give us a pre-tribulation clue. And it should offer further proof that Matthew 24 is not speaking to New Testament born-again believers in Christ. It's not for the church. And it should be further proof that we will not find the rapture in verses 29 through 31 in Matthew chapter 24. It's not the rapture of the church. That's not where the rapture is found. When an eagle gathers around a carcass, what is it looking to do? Is it looking to protect it and save it? No, it is looking to eat it, take it away, and devour the flesh and have a good lunch. That's what an eagle does. It doesn't go around the carcass with the, 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 the focus to save that carcass. It's dead. It's taking it away. Look at Luke chapter 17. Look at this. Luke 17 verse 34. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Now, just in case any of the perver there's perverts listening online, people read the Bible because they've got a perverted mind, and they read the Bible with that perverted mind. It's two guys sleeping. Okay, it's not. Uh, it's not a verse to say. Uh, this is why God said it's okay to marry a man and a man. No, that's you with a perverted mind, with a black heart, uh, dabbling in dark things. And because of that, you read that verse that way. Let's get back to the context. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Interesting. The eagles will be gathered together. In Luke chapter 17, you're not taken and saved and gone to heaven <laughs> where the eagles be gathered. You are taken away in judgment. The eagles picture judgment. Just like an eagle is going to eat that flesh, this is why Jesus Christ gives the clear context in verse 37. Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Those that are taken are taken in judgment. They're not taken to be saved and go to heaven. It's a picture of judgment. Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14, look at verse number two. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled. And the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Go all the way to verse number 12. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people 
that have fought against Jerusalem, their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. Their flesh is going to consume away. Their eyes are going to consume away. Their tongue is going to consume away. During the time of Jacob's trouble, not obeying God and being deceived and seduced is going to result in them being taken away in judgment, just like an eagle pouncing on its prey and eating the flesh, eating the eyes, eating the tongue. It's going to be the judgment of God. And that's why the eagle is such a powerful picture of what's to come. We're not taken away in judgment. We're taken away before the judgment. <clears throat> this idea that the church, the New Testament church, is somehow the kingdom of God <laughs> is just false. It's wrong. And it fails to make the distinction. People, well, Christ dwelleth in me. And, you know, because Christ dwells in me, his king. Look, I know Jesus lives in my heart and all that. But you can't take the spiritual reign of Jesus Christ and the indwelt Holy Spirit, that spiritual reign that we have as Christians, and apply it to physical things and national things, specifically to an earthly kingdom that Jesus is going to set up when he returns. Which is why when we preached on 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the spirit. Because the little kingdom you think you've got here on earth, it, it's not. You got something that wants to take influence over the Holy Spirit. That's why we're told quench not the spirit. Because we can quench the reigning influence of the Holy Spirit indwelled in us. God doesn't want us to do that. But I just say that to say Christ is going to reign. When he sets up his earthly kingdom, there aren't going to be any problems. The kingdom isn't, this isn't the kingdom. This is the earth controlled by Satan, who's the power of the air. And it's a world system. And we have a job to do. And that job isn't to usher in a kingdom. That job is to get people to see their need for a savior. So they don't die and face judgment. Christ is going to come back, set up his kingdom. And it doesn't matter what CNN says or MSNBS and, and, and uh, even Fox News, all the Jesuits on there. It doesn't matter with all, what, what any, there's not going to be any rigging of machines. There's not going to be any, well, we need to, Bring this before the Supreme Court. Nobody's going to vote him in. He's going to come back. He's going to set up the kingdom. It's going to be righteous because he's ruling. And that's just the way it's going to go. And anybody wants to say that the kingdom is now, or we're going to usher in the kingdom. They're just, <laughs> if you're listening online, you're just wrong. <laughs> it's not what's going to happen. Our job as Christians is to preach the gospel to individuals. So those individual souls can be saved and we're going to allow God 
Gonna, we don't need to allow him. He's going to do what he said he did. He's going to address national things with Israel at a later time. Let's go back to Matthew 24. Try to wrap this up. You think you're... I don't think I'm right and everybody else is wrong. I just see so many people believing this idea that the church somehow replaced Israel and it's the furthest thing from the truth that if I don't say it enough people will continue to believe the stuff that they're hearing from people that don't know what they're talking about we're not Israel it's a completely separate and entirely new thing the New Testament church stop trying to be Israel Stop it. Be a Christian and go tell somebody about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Better get my spot. Matthew 24. Look at verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. What in the world does the gospel of the kingdom have to do with what we preach? Why would I preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? When I should be preaching, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I'm not telling Israel, Israel, by the way, you need to repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. No, it's not the message that we preach right now. We preach repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Not repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When we, when we get the church as one entity and Israel as another entity, and we make that distinction, and we stay in our lane, and we do what God told us to do, you know, we talk a little bit about Noah, and Noah, preacher of righteousness, found grace, the eyes of the Lord, and what happened? Once the rain started, that was it. Nobody else was getting in. The people that were taken were taken in judgment, by the way. Uh, not a one of us are going to go out and do what God told Noah to do during that time. He told Noah to build an ark. We learn from it. We can see Christ pictured in it. But we don't go out and start building an ark. Unless you're in northern Kentucky and you want to make a big ministry out of that and teach people about creation and, and some other things that I won't mention that I've heard. But anyway, it's great. You know, it's all great. But he's not trying to tell people to build arcs. He's, you know, getting them in there and telling them about the gospel and that creation is and that creationism is, is true and real. When Christ returns, it's going to be like a fierce flash bolt of lightning. And it's going to be a cataclysmic event. And it will be the entry of wrath and destruction that will be poured out. Right now, the church age, it's not about destruction. It's about construction. Get Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. And we'll see that souls... 
is what are being added to the church. Christ's coming, his second coming, is about destruction. Right now, the church age is about construction. Ephesians chapter 2, look at 21. In, okay, well, let's start at verse 20. It's all right here. It's beautifully pictured. Verse 20 in Ephesians 2, and are built upon the foundation. That's a building term. Of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in whom all the building. This is a building time. We're adding souls. Christ is adding souls. We're being used by him to build his church. Fitly framed together. There's framing. This is all building, a spiritual example of this. Together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You got growth, you got framing, you got building, you got foundation, and it's in direct contrast, the church, to the destruction that's coming when Christ comes back at his second coming. Right, Daniel 2, two more verses and we'll be done. You don't have to turn there. Daniel 2 says this, verse 44, in the days... Of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and shall consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. All the unrighteousness is going to go away. It just hasn't gone away yet, but it will. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.